Welcome to the Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and I'm coming to you from Towncast Studios in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. If you guys have a podcast or a video cast, you got to check out Towncast Studios. Joe and Matthew, not only being great guys, they really know their shit. So please check them out. Go to towncaststudios.com or email them at info at towncaststudios.com. Anyway, we have a great show. This gentleman, I met I met him, I knew him from LinkedIn because he hosts a lot of shows and I, I wasn't connected to him and I, I never met him. And he, you know, I said, who is this guy? Who is this Mark Iorio guy? I didn't know. And then I was in a networking group uh, with Hillary Spivak and Christopher Giddings, have a group called Super Connectors. And we ended up going to a breakout room and we talked a lot and we, we, we hit it off and then we, we followed up and we met for breakfast and he paid. So if it's for me, I was happy. I said, I could do this. I'll, I'll meet, of course I'll meet you for breakfast. It's on you. But he has a bunch of shows. He has a new one on RVN television. He's the managing director of BCAT and he's a president of the mega group. And my guest is Mark Iorio. How you doing, Mark? Hey, Coop. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. So, okay. So I want to start, we're going to get to your profession, but I want to start with the RVN stuff because you've been sure. hosting, first of all, how long have you been with RVN? Uh, five and a half years on uh, Rainmakers Roundup, and then uh, I've got the advocates I've been doing for eight months, and uh, the new show, which we'll talk about in a second, for a couple weeks. Now, how did you get into this? Because I know you have a business background, and I and it's, it's funny because I was thinking, you know, during the pandemic, everyone started a podcast. Now, right. I've been doing my other podcast, Cooper Talk, for 12 years, sure. and you know, you've been doing your show for a while. But no one was really gravitating towards doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Before the pandemic, they said, oh, I want to be I want to be seen. And that's understandable because no one was going anywhere. But how did you get into it? I mean, five and a half years ago, that's a long time. I mean, I always say, you know, most most podcasts last maybe six, six months, seriously. Right. But how did you get into it? How did you start? Oh, that's a good question, Coop. I, I, was, at, um, I was at RVN. Uh, in Mount Laurel, a small studio, tiny little studio that Keith's, uh, Keith Reynolds started, uh, w which was above a batting cage. Um, it was small. It was tiny. And my business partner, Al Cini, asked me to come on CEO chat, right? So I was on there. We were talking about business and what BCAT does and everything. And, and I walked out. And as I was walking out, one of the hosts from uh, Hot Topics and Morning Coffee came up to me and said, hey, would you be, would you like to come on my show, Hot Topics? It's a good looking chick. So I said, of course, you know, I mean, who wouldn't do that, right? And uh, so it was like three or four weeks later and I show up and she's not there anymore. She's not at the studio anymore. So Keith is in the, in the lobby and the lobby was tiny. It was, he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm supposed to interview with so-and-so, I can't remember her name. And uh, he said, all right, she's gone. I'll interview you. So he interviews me for a half hour. And uh, at the commercial break, he looks at me, he says, man, you'd be good at this shit. You really would. You, you'd be a great host. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm, what do you mean? I don't know. I don't want to do this. I mean, this is not, he said, come on, you should consider it. So I went back and he, and I started to think about names of a, you know, a business type show that I could have. And I kept thinking, what do I do? I'm kind of in business development. I, you know, I'm a brand consultant. I do all this stuff, um, marketing, you know, cash to the path or path to the cash and nothing rung, rung a bell. And I was talking to a buddy of mine. He said, uh, don't you make rain? You, you know, you're a rainmaker, right? I said, yeah. He said, call a rainmaker's roundup. Now explain that. 
what do you mean? Because this is terminology. Some people know. What do you mean when you say, don't you make rain? Explain that. Making rain is basically, you know, when you go out and sell. I mean, you're you're uh, you're making things happen. You're going out meeting people and you have a good personality. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize what that profession is all about. The sales profession is understanding, you know, your product, your market, you know, dealing with people, you know, communicating with people, um, you know, getting to know one another. I mean, on a on a different level and you know, and then eventually closing deals, sales. Uh, you know, when you make rain, you're you're making things happen. So you get the name. Now yep. you got to go in and you have to host a show. And, you know, I'll be honest. The first time I hosted Ho Cooper Talk, I was in a studio in L.A. Mm -hmm. I never, the only time I'd ever done any kind of radio was when I was a touring stand-up comedian. You call in the morning radio or they call you or crap like that. Right. And, and then I would call Big Daddy Graham's show from L.A. because he was an old friend, yeah, bless yeah. his soul. And... I went in the first time and I had to play some music and I interviewed a woman. She came in, Amy Dresner. She wrote a book about being a junkie called My Fair Junkie. Yeah. Very interesting woman. And I I was so nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I remember I didn't turn the, the music off. I mean, the mic off when we went to music and I was like, thank God we weren't talking crap on another comic because oh, yeah, I would have sure. heard it. So it's sort of overwhelming. What was it like, even though you were a guest, it's, it's completely different being a guest than being a host. I mean, so the first time you go in to host the Rainmakers Roundup, how do you attack it? Are you are you prepared? Do you write questions? I mean, what do you do? How do you get that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Coop. I did. In the beginning, I, I typed questions out and I I probably looked down a couple of, you know, TV's a little different than than radio because you're on you're on camera and people are looking at everything you're doing. So you know, I'm like looking down at the uh, at the notes to make sure I'm asking the questions. But I try to make it as fluid as I possibly could. You know, when you're selling, you know this. You've been in sales for a long time too, right? So you're having a conversation with people. And as long as you can keep the cadence going in your head, you're okay. Once you start looking at a script and feeling like, shit, I, I'm, I lost my place. Or they answer a question that is not in line or in sync with the questions that you, you've got written on paper, you're screwed. Yeah, see, for me, I have never, and to this to this day, and I've done over a thousand interviews, I have never written a question out because I've, I'll write I'll write little notes just to remind myself, or if it's an actor or whoever, I'll have IMDb. But I always like it, as you said, it's all about the flow. And in sales, it's all about, you know, you're going to listen to a guy who comes in and talks to you. Yeah. You're not going to listen to a guy who's like, hey, hey, yo, here's my card. You're going to be like, yeah. hey, this guy. Yeah. So so you get the first one under your belt. Now, do you get a little cocky? Did, you, did it go well? Or did you get well, off and you know, say- It's funny. It, it, that's interesting too, because the first person I interviewed, like you remember, you remember your first interview? I remember my first interview. It was Bill Hogan. And Bill, I knew. I, I knew him. He was a coach. He was a consultant. Uh, he became a good friend. Uh, thank God he's still alive. He's in his mid-80s uh, mid or so. And he's he's just a good guy, Coop. He, he's um, he's easy to talk to. And, you know, I was I was talking to him about his business. So it, it felt good and it felt like I can do this. So the next one was a little bit easier and then it got a little bit easier. And then, you know, I never really looked at notes anymore. Um People ask me the same shit, you know, like, how do you do that? I mean, how do you think about all these questions? And you got to have a little background on the person. Obviously, you do some research. If you don't, you're an idiot. But um, it becomes a lot easier. Now, as you're doing it, 
and said, we've, you've been for five and a, that show for five and a half years. Yeah. When do you really feel like you're getting in the groove? I mean, you know, it's something that I now even, I'll do an interview and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sit there and I'll be like, you know what? I, I sort of sucked. But then someone will go, hey, that was a really good interview. And yeah. I go, oh, thanks. When did you start feeling that you were in the groove where you were like, you know what? Okay. I don't care who it is. I'm, I'm going to, because you got to take command. Yeah. So when did you feel like you were in the groove and taking command? When uh, when you look at someone and you ask them a question and they can't answer it because they're 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 choked up. They're they're you're so into who they are as as human beings and you're 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 not trying to get them to cry. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but you feel like you're so close to their soul, their heart, their who they are as human beings that. You know, you you've touched something inside them that um, that really makes them, you know, something that makes them tick, something that gets to their that pulls on their heartstrings a little bit. You really feel good about that. I, mean, I don't I don't I don't mean making uh, you make somebody cry. You feel good about it. That's not what I'm saying. Well, that makes you feel good. No. <laughs> uh, so as your show's growing, yeah, and I've always looked at you know guests. Okay, like when you have guests. People don't understand it. But first of all, it's hard when someone says, can I be on your show? And you have to turn them down. Just And it's nothing personal. People don't get that. Sometimes there's people that just aren't appropriate. Like I'll use my show, Cooper Talk. I get very big name guests. Yeah. And it's hard because you can't dip down because then people go, well, wait, you can't go from this. For you, because you're getting business leaders, you know, there's only so many people that are in this area that are considered business leaders. Oh, I mean, yeah. how do you... How do you sit there? Do you have a certain criteria? Do you go to an event and see like maybe a keynote speaker and say, I got to have that guy? Or how do you how do you go about getting your guests? And then how do you sit there and politely turn someone down when, as I said, people just, you know, you know, it's not like we don't want guests. We would like to talk to anybody because Mark, like myself, everyone has a good story and you can interview them. But there's something that there's something called listeners and numbers that you have to worry about. Yep. So you have to watch it. So how do you how do you go about your guests? And then how do you t- politely? I hope you know, yeah. he's, he's like Mark's like oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> Take a hike. <laughs> yeah. How do how do you uh, go about it? Well, the polite part, Coop, is is that you know I I will say that um, I try to stay away from certain businesses like insurance or real estate because frankly they're selling the same product over and over again, right? They're, they're not a lot. You're not going to get an insurance company or an insurance agency that's going to sell a product that's much different than another person or real estate is real estate, right? So I run around faster than everybody else. That's not intriguing to me. But when it, so I'll politely say, listen, this is my criteria. If, if it doesn't fit, that's okay. The good thing about it is I do have other shows that people can appear on. Um, but, what I'm looking for are high-level executives, like C-level executives that are in a really competitive business that are doing something a little different. So when I go out, if like I'm not I'm not confined to the area anymore because we do so many Zoom interviews, Coop. I'll go out as far as, you know, you know, across the country and maybe internationally to uh, to get really interesting guests. And I do that through LinkedIn. I'm I, I like I'll do a search criteria. And I'll look for C-level executives that are in, you know, financial services or something like that, or, you know, technology, something different, something that's really making an impact in the world. So who to you is one of the biggest guests where you got them and you're like, oh, shit, I, I got such and such. Was there anyone that you sat there and 
didn't think you possibly would get. And then when they said yes, you were like, oh, wow, I, I got this person. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I We got, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, um, the Go-Giver author is Bob Berg. Um, and his co-author is John David Mann. Um, they're big, you know, they're big authors. These guys are Larry Robertson. Uh, he wrote uh, Rebel Leadership. You know, you pick up the phone or you, you send them an email. And you, you know what? You want to be on my program. And it's like, yeah, fucking I'll do it. I'll, I'll do that. So it's not like you when you're interviewing on, you know, your other, you know, the other show, uh, the other pro, uh, uh, show, your, your Cooper, uh, Talk. Uh, Cooper Talk, the other podcast. You're getting big, you're getting big ass, you know, music guys that are, that have been around the entertainment world forever. And everyone knows these people, you know, um, I mean, I'm not interviewing, you know, uh, uh, Tim Cook from Apple. That's not what I'm getting. I'm not getting that level. You're getting that level. Yeah. But I think you can get that level. I, I, I know it's funny, you know, we think about it and I always wonder why people don't shoot for bigger levels. Believe me, you sit there, like you had your show for a long time. So they are attainable. And 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 that's the thing. People forget that, you know, there's, people will do shows. I mean, I record my, we're in a studio, we're in Towncast Studios right now, which go to their website, towncaststudios.com. But I record my other show out of a, looks like a converted closet in my house. And I'm sitting there in Marlton, New Jersey, and I got Stephen Van Zandt. So they are attainable. Yeah. And so is there anyone that you would really, and I mean, Given like people say, is there anyone you love to get? I'm like, I'm not going to get a Springsteen. I know that. You know, I, I like to get a Rick Springfield. That's sort of a white whale for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no lie. Yeah. But is there anyone that you have you have tried to get and haven't gotten, or is there someone that you sit there and go, I really want to get this person, and I think I can. Yeah, I think um, there there have been a few so far. One is, um, you know, I'd real I'd really like to get people in the in the tech industry, like a, uh, um, I mean, I'd love. Fuck, I'd love to get Elon Musk on the show. You know, that'd be fucking great, wouldn't it? Oh, I yeah, mean, but it's like, I, you know, it's like, can I get this guy out there? But, uh, you know, I'll watch uh, Fox Business in the morning and there's people on there that have been on my show, that on Maria's show, that have been on my program as well. So, you know, I, I need to, yeah, if I shoot for the stars, I need to go get a couple of those big, big time guests. But not, not nothing that comes to mind, Coop. Now- so you have this show, and then yep. now you have, you have two other shows, but now your second show. Yeah. Which one is that? That's The Advocates. That's People Helping People. So I've got a co-host on that program. That's Al Cini, and then occasionally Lisa Maniocchi will jump in. Um, that's really about uh, authors and coaches and consultants, uh, just people helping other people, you know, in the, in the world. and. Uh, it, it's, it's so God darn moving that, you know, it, it is, uh, kind of an emotional show in a, in a way, because, you know, you'll see people that have been addicts their whole lives. Right. And they, they hit a turning point and they turn their lives around and now they're helping other people go through the same stuff, you know, turning their lives around. That's pretty, you know, it's pretty powerful. Uh, there's a level of gratitude there that you you find when you do do a show like that. Now, how did you come up with that idea? Was that something that someone pitched to you, or you just had this idea going? Or no, I it? think what happened was uh, Lisa, Al, and I just started talking about how to you know how to get the word out about there's too much bullshit going. You know, there's too much shit going out there in the world where you know people are. You turn on the TV and and it's all negative. Everything's fucking negative. So 
what you want is you, you want to start getting some stories out there of people that are really doing good in the world. Like I get, I'll give you an example. You know, Frank Siller, the guy that started uh, Tunnel Towers uh, after 9-11, his brother was killed. Um, Stephen was killed in, in one of the towers. And he started a program that uh, $11, $11 a month. Um, you can, you, you know, you can join in, pay 11, 11 bucks a month. And they find um, emergency um, uh, e EMS uh, families and stuff like that, first responders who have lost a loved one, Coop, and they fucking pay for the mortgage. They, they pay the mortgage off in the house. Or if you were injured in, in the war in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever, and you come back and you, you know, you're a double amputee or whatever, they'll retrofit the house so that you can live a, you know, more, you know, more normal life. Frank's going to be on the show. Now, how do you find those people? Because, you know, I've noticed also a lot of times people who are um, very benevolent, a lot of them, you run a lot that don't, they don't want to, publicize it because they, they, they I think a lot of them you know you see that with the pro athletes a lot or you know people yeah. give money and they don't they do it because they 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 do it because they want to they don't want to do it for the notoriety there's as you know there's two type of people there's people that do it and they go hey I just gave this much money look at me look at me or yeah. there's people that go you know I just gave this much money but I don't want anyone to know yeah how do you how do you go about finding them because I, I found that the ones that the people that you're dealing with they love to get their message across, but a lot of them are very humble. Yeah. You know, so a couple of things. You read books. You see uh, articles in, you know, online. You and I are in a shitload of networking groups. You've got coffee with Coop in the morning. There's always people out there that once you say, hey, I've got this show, this show, and this show, somebody will say, hey, you ought to interview so-and-so. And then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of spread out in my network. I'm up in New York. I'm down in Philadelphia. So... You get the tentacles out there, Coop, and then people start to say, you know, you should interview so-and-so. Or do you think about, you know, just talking to people? My wife comes up with crazy-ass ideas every once in a while that, you know, I'll, I'll follow up on. So there's not a – I'm telling you right now, there's not a shortage of people out there that are doing good stuff for other people. Now, how did you balance going from Rainmakers, which is you, to having co-hosts? Because it's it's a completely – it's like anything. Like, you know, we, I listen to the morning radio and, and some of it just sucks. I mean, it like, hey, oh, they're laughing in that fake laugh. I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ, enough with the fake laugh. But when you when you control an interview, you know, you're good. You want to answer the questions. I do my stuff by myself. Yep. I ask questions. Yep. I know how my brain works. What's it like when you went from just you and now you got sometimes two, sometimes one behind the desk because do you, I mean, did you practice? Do you practice, or how does it? Or is it just instinctual? God, I love that question, Coop. I swear to Christ, it, it's it's such a good. Uh, you know, it, it reminds me of a band. You know, and and my son's a drummer, so he, he's always told me about you know how the instruments talk to each other and how you have to have a cadence and chemistry between you know the bass player, the guitar player, the the drummer, the keyboardists. It's the same thing with a, with two interviewers. Um, if you don't have that chemistry, and I have had shows where I had to cut because the chemistry just wasn't there. It's like you're looking over and like, could you answer? Could ne You're next. Goop, go ahead, go. It's bullshit. You can't have that. So if you feel good about, like, I don't want to finish your sentence, but if you and I were doing interviews together, we'd look at each other and say, you know, I know Coop's got this one. 
it's a cadence. It's it's that chemistry and that feeling that you get when, like you're you're seriously in a in a band. You know, you're trying to make sure that you're not stepping on the other person's toes. And if they have a question or follow up question, let them go. Do you prep together though? Is there, there is there some kind of prep, or do you just because yep. you've known them, do you just wing it? Because sometimes no. if you know someone, you can just go off. But how do you how do you prepare for this show when there's three or two? It depends, and you guess you all come in with questions to the table like we should ask this this or do you sit there and go what do we have yeah it's more that it's more uh of you don't wing it necessarily but you do your own prep and they do their own prep and if they ask a question that you're going to ask then you just follow up if you're not smart enough to figure out where the hell that conversation's going you don't belong behind the mic or in front of a camera um you know my uh I, I had a sh- I had a show that I I had to cancel because it was a good it was a good concept, but we had the same pro- we had a problem there because it was like I would do all the prep and the other guy wouldn't do anything, so I'd show up and I'd have all the questions and he'd ask all the same questions every single time to every every guest, and it was like you know this isn't going anywhere so. Do you ever get pissed off at your co-hosts? I mean, and not in a bad way. Like if, if someone asks, like if you had a question of mine, you're going to ask, or if they ask it, is there, is there any competition in a point where it's like, that's, because there's always like that question. Yeah. You know, like that, that's the fucking gem. <laughs> Did you ever sit there and go, you you think you have the gem, you got the card. You and all of a sudden, they say it. Do you have, does that ever happen? And, then, and it's not, to <laughs> be, it's not done intentionally. No, no, it's no, just people, no. Honestly, no. I, I, uh, it's funny you ask that question, but no, I, I've never had anything happen like that where you know I'm, I'm like sitting up there and I'm competitive or vindictive about you know a question somebody else is asking. I'm like uh, you know whatever. I mean, I'm as as type A as I am. You know, having a, the Italian background and everything. I'm cool, man. I'm like, fuck it. Whatever happens, happens. It's not the end of the goddamn world. And plus, in a hundred fucking years, nobody's going to give a shit about it anyway. Right. Well, it's so funny. You know, you talk about what's on TV, you know, all the negative. Well, I was at the gym this morning and uh, I'm looking, and I, I always play first, uh, serious first wave workout because I like 80s music. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at the TVs, you know, and, you know, you see the one, you know, the flood, there's an awful flood going on in Kentucky right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But then all the other TVs, Beyonce's new album's coming out. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, who cares? I'm like, it was like, it was on all of them. CNN, Fox, NBC, CBS, ABC. I'm like, who gives a shit? And that's what happens when you turn on a TV sometimes, even with interviews. You know, like, that's good that you do the people we talked about that help. Because you see some of these interviews on TV and they're just, they're all, they're all set up, man. not, not, Not in a bad way, but... It's like late night TV. If you people don't know, like back when Johnny Carson hosted Tonight Show, it was always if the comic got couch on his first appearance, it was a big thing. Yeah. But whenever a comedian comes on, like if you see Seinfeld on Letterman or back in the day or thing, all of that stuff is set up. They'll go like, so, uh, so I Jerry there. I heard you got a, uh, I heard you got a cat. Did you know cats? And it's all set up. That's so good. they have the whole thing yeah and that's what's good you know i think on your show that you guys aren't preparing it that's why i don't like to prepare stuff because i want to see where stories go and you a lot of times get the most interesting information and facts when people sit there and they just they feel comfortable to trust has anyone really opened up to you that you were just like oh my god where you didn't see it i mean sometimes you know if someone's talking about addiction you know there's going to be horror stories there's going to be when they hit rock bottom 
once again, we talked about Simon Kirk from Bad Company. He yeah. said when he was almost dead from doing too much coke on the tour bus, his yeah. girlfriend found him foaming in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Well, when those stories, you, you, okay, they have addictions. But is there anyone that has had something that just, I mean, came out of left field and you were like, wow. One, you're, you feel great yeah. because they, they took that trust in you. But right. two, you're like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. No. And sometimes you got to compose yourself. Has that ever happened and, to you? Yep, absolutely. And and it's on video. It's not just, it's not the recorded. It's on video as well. Um, I got a third show, Coop, that you, I don't feel, I'll bring it up now. I right. mean, it's called Fuck Ups and, and it just started. I'm co-hosting it with Jim Shulman and Jim's, Jim's a character, man. He's funny as shit. And we had a guest on the first night uh, we do two at the, at a bar setting at um, at RVN Television. Great setup. You know, we walk in. It's not, hey, this is Mark Iorio. I'm on, uh, you know, with uh, Jim Shulman here. We're doing fuck-ups. That's not the way it is. It's, uh, hey, Coop, how, how'd work go today, man? And, you know, how things going? And it started like that. And uh, this fella comes in, sits at the bar, pours a drink, and uh, he starts talking. I said, uh, Jim, how was your day? He goes, oh, it was good. I said, um, I won't mention his name. You know, I won't mention his name. But uh, how was your day? He goes, oh, well, you know, I had a normal day. I said, well, tell me about your business. Tell me a little bit about the business. He go. He proceeds to tell me that he had a 134-year-old company, Coop, that he was fourth generation. He ran into the fucking ground. It, it went bankrupt under his watch. And I'm sitting there like, I knew part of that story. I knew part of it. I didn't know the whole thing, but I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? Holy shit, man. This is, and so I asked him, I said, man, you know, running a business, just being an entrepreneur, there's enough pressure on you, period. You know, I had as many as 85 people working for me at one point, but when you have a fourth generation, isn't there an extra burden on that? Cause you know, your great, great grandfather started the business. He goes, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, I, I don't, it wasn't like an emotional kind of thing, but he know he knew that like he fucked this thing up. I mean, it wasn't it was serious. And he revealed that. And uh it's a sh I mean, it's you're sitting there you're like, holy Christ. I mean, that's that's a hell of a shock. Well, now how did you come up with this idea for the show? Because it's about companies that didn't work. I mean, what's what's the new show? Yeah. I mean, I know how did you meet Jim? I'm not familiar I with met Jim. Jim I met Jim on a networking uh group and he he came to me. It's like you know somebody coming to you on uh, on on the Coop Tank or the other podcast, right? Um, he said, "I mean, this is even worse." He said, "And you want to do a show with me?" I'm like, mm, "No, I you know I got too much shit going on already." He goes, "Ah, let's talk about it." So we we start talking about it. He goes, "We you know no." This is what he said to me. No one listens to rain, uh, shows like Rainmakers Roundup, all the good stuff that people ha you know, have happened to them. I'm like, yeah, well, bullshit, they do. <laughs> but, you know. That's the best way to get a partner. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no one listens to your show. Come with yeah, me. Come, come with you me. You've been there for five and a half years. Come with <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, he, he, he said, listen, why don't we try to do something that is about business failures? You know, not so much. And we started throwing some names out there. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of reluctant to do this, but I'll I'll give it a shot. You know, what what the fuck? I mean, you know, it's an hour and a half out of my Thursday night or Thursday afternoon. So we started muddling around some ideas and uh, we came up with fuck ups because that's exactly what it is. And uh, it's a celebration of failures. That's the tagline underneath it. And we just uh, Jim's just out there asking people, friends and 
you know, I don't know if you know Amanda Palmer, but she was, um, uh, she's a, a singer. You should check out her, her YouTube video, but it's about asking. It's about how to ask for something. So she tried to raise $100,000 for her band and she got $1.1 million on crowdsource. And it, her whole TED Talk is about asking. And what Jim did was he started asking friends if they would, you know, be interested in coming on fuck-ups. And lo and behold, I mean, yesterday when he posted that thing on LinkedIn, it was like a fucking flood of, of responses. People were like, oh, I want to come on. I want to come on. I want to talk about my $5 million loss. I want to talk about, you know, how I fucked up my business. I want to do... So it's it's catching on, and and uh, I think more people are interested in talking about that because there's a lot of life lessons in that coop. There's, you know, there's a lot of people that have gone through shit in their lives, including me in my own business, uh, with my own family that I learned a, a great deal of lessons about. What was some of the shit you went through with your own family and your business? If you were, let's say, you know, if you were to look back, what was some shit you went through? Well, I, you know, I had a business that we tried to merge with my brother and my father. Um, it did, didn't work out for a number of reasons. We had a real personality clash. We love each other now. Uh, but 22 years ago, when we tried to do this. You know, we, we, uh, we were at loggerheads, man, and we were screaming at each other every fucking day in the conference room and people could hear it. I mean, the building was 46,000 square feet. And here we are in this conference room. I mean, literally nose to nose, screaming at each other about whatever. I don't even know what the fuck half the shit was about. But you realize, honestly, that this is my brother I'm yelling at. This is my father I'm yelling at, or they're yelling at me for what? What, what's the fucking, what is the purpose? So after trying to merge these organizations, these three, three companies together for eight months um, or year, I'm sorry, years, within eight months, they demer we demerged. We, we unbuckled everything uh, because it just wasn't going to work. And, you know, later on, you know, in life, you realize that it wasn't that goddamn important, you know? Whatever I was arguing about or whatever they were arguing about is not that important. And instead of losing a father and a brother over it, you know, we just put shit aside and, and uh, you know, we work, we can work together now, not in, I don't know what capacity, but we, you know, you learn a lot of lessons. You don't talk to anyone, for, you know, family functions, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, my kids are growing up, they're... I'm not talking to my own father, but they went over and made sure they they hung out with Pop Up. It's uh, there's a lot of lessons there, and then in the meantime, I had some asshole who was you know taking advantage of the fact that there was there was um, disruption, and we were you know there's a lot of angst and anxiety in the business. He as as that was going on, he's trying to steal clients. So you know it's. And he was successful. I mean, he did that. Um, and it cost me, you know, at least seven figures in in lost business. And, and then I had to file suit against him and everything. And it was, it's just a mess because your head is not where it needs to be. You're not focused uh, on the things that are in front of you. So, you know, you look back and you say, I'm not going to do that shit again. I mean, that's, uh, it's worth, it's not worth it. So, you know, it's funny when you talk about the, the, your the issue and then you talk about your new show where, you know, people have screwed up. I think during the pandemic, I think because networking had changed a lot, 
it was more, you know, as I say, the asshole with the expensive suit wasn't his his two minutes of bullshit substance wasn't working in a Zoom meeting. Yep. And which, you know, breakout rooms where you have to actually show who you are. Yep. And I think a lot of uh, vulnerability um, started. I think people really sat there and said, it's okay to screw up. Because I always laugh, you know, and I always joke about it when, you know, you always get some of these consultants and they're always like, well, I... Uh, I hated the corporate world, so I left. And I said, well, well maybe you sucked at yeah, the right. corporate world. Like, you know, I, like, with your business fuck-ups, your show fuck-ups, I, if I was to get a consultant, if I was starting a business, I would want to get someone who did screw up because they know what they did wrong and they can say, hey, you know what? Hey, Steve, maybe you shouldn't do this right now. Well, what do you know? Well, because I lost my whole fucking house. You know, and that's what's amazing. I think that's what's good now with networking. I think we've we've touched into a different different area where like you can share that story. You know, people were coming on your new show to share their story. Five years ago, people didn't want to admit failure because unfortunately a lot of the people associate failure with weakness. Just like they associate if you're kind, they yep. associate with weakness. Yep. I've been that's happened to me, but I'm like, oh no, no, I'm nice. But if you screw me, I will fuck you over in a second. <laughs> exactly. But I but I'm not that way. I mean right. but that's a thing. So I think it's good. Now as we stay on about networking, because you're a big networker. Yep. Okay. What do you like about networking and how did you start what did you really start networking was i mean because uh, i started when i did stand-up comedy in a professional way talking to comics who would get me gigs just being nice to them when did you really start networking hard hard um probably uh right at the pandemic uh, right around the pandemic beginning of the pandemic pandemic but i i'll tell you what coop one of the things that i did well always was I went to, when I went to college, I graduated in 1979. I came out of college. The first job I had was with GTE Sylvania. It was Circle F Industries in Trenton, New Jersey. And then within three months, they were bought out by GTE. And I went into a, a meeting, a high executive meeting with my boss, my boss's boss. He wanted to just let me see what it was like. He was my mentor. I love the guy. His name was Rich Capriotti. He died years and years ago, but I love him to death. And uh, he taught me so much. And we, we were in the meeting, Coop, and there were like 14 people around the table. And I remembered every single person's name. The meeting was two hour, an hour and a half, two hours. He goes, how'd you do that? I said, I don't know. I just, I have that skill set to be able to connect with people. So from a networking standpoint, I always liked, I watched my mom, who, God rest her soul. I, I watched her just become, you know, the person that, you know, she became as, as, as things went on. I like it. I like meeting new people. I like meeting, f you know, people that become friends. When you and I met, we hit it off like almost immediately, even though, you know, you like the Phillies and shit. I mean, I still like you. I still like you. I, I don't dislike the Yankees. That's, that's what you understand. I, I, I hate the Giants. If you're a Giants fan. You, I am. Okay. Well then you can, you can get whatever. <laughs> Interview over. But no. you know, but no, I mean, in terms of harder, um, I, I think I've learned to network a little bit better than I was but than in person because we're all members of chambers of commerce. I've been in the Trenton Rotary Club since 1990. I've been in the Princeton Mercer Regional Chamber of Commerce since God only knows, I can't remember. But I started joining groups when I started my business in 1987. People that were like-minded that could help me grow the business. So it, it was... Um, 
you, you know, you can't be shy, but at the same time, you have to understand that you've got to, you, you can't pitch your business all the time. You've got to help people first. Uh, you learn a lot of lessons when uh, when you're on Zooms all the time. And I've, I've become a lot better at networking than than I was when I was younger. No question about it. Now, give me a quick pitch about your business. Yeah, so uh, it's BCAD Partners, right? And I'll, I'll tell you, 20, uh, 34 years ago, I started the Mega Group. 20 years ago, I was asked by AAA Mid-Atlantic to come in and take a look at their internal brand. I didn't know anything about internal branding. Uh, so we, I went to a conference that uh, taught a little bit about internal branding, what it was all about, how to become a brand ambassador and how to take your culture inside your business and align it with your, your brand promise. Um, very tedious process until I met my business partner uh, about nine years ago, Al Sini. And Al was working for NBC Universal. And, you know, we merged our two ideas together and we formed BCAT. And BCAT stands for the Brand and Culture Alignment Toolkit. And basically what it is, is um, it, it is getting people, organizations, teams, uh, to take a survey instrument that we developed, he and I developed, uh, that is based on the the, uh, the psychological work that Carl Jung did back in the 1930s. So psychological or uh, personality archetypes. And we formed that into a, a team archetype. And basically we have this 80 question survey instrument and we ask people to imagine their entire team as though it were a single person doing its best work on its best day to deliver all of its promises and achieve all of its goals. What does that look like? You answer all the questions, we plot the results, we get into a room, we show everybody where everyone landed. Uh, once we have the, 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 uh, the average of where everyone landed, we then have a conversation about where everyone wants to go as an organization. And we take it from there. We, you know, once we get everyone to agree to their North Star, like where they're going, uh, then a lot of stuff falls out of that uh, with a lot of work. It's not just easy. Uh, commandments, you know, how we act, how we behave, how we treat each other, et cetera. And then we go to each person and ask them what are the two or three things they could do each day that makes them, uh, gets them closer to that North Star. And that's how the process works. And it's uh, basically migrating your culture toward your brand promise, getting teams to work together in a more collaborative way, knocking down those silos, that passive aggressive behavior crap that you see inside the organization, um, more productivity, higher productivity, higher valuation, higher profits, all that, all that stuff. We've done about 11,000 of them over the last decade. And I love what the hell I do, man. I'm, you know, I'm digging it. I I love everything about what I do because you see people become better versions of themselves and the team become, or the organization become a better version of itself. Now, has networking helped you get clients? Has anyone, have you, anybody, have you ever gone out? Because a lot of times people don't understand that with networking, I've gotten lucky when I was with Coit Cleaning Restoration. I met yeah. someone, I got a job just walking, some guy was sitting next to me, this this guy and he's eating. I'm at an event and he's a heavier guy and he's eating and he starts telling me about his... Uh, health problems, but I'm listening. And then like a month later, I get a call. Yeah, we need this big, you know, big, it was a big duck, air duck job, but that doesn't happen a lot. You know, now for you, I mean, have, you know, do you get gigs easily from networking or is it a process? Uh, it's a process. And, 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 you know, what's interesting, Steve, is that um, you don't even know where it's going to come from. Like I, you know, you've got all, I have three television shows now, right? A, a lead comes from that. Um, 
A lead could come from a networking group. A lead could come from, probably not, the Chamber of Commerce or a Rotary Club. So you're out there constantly doing everything you could possibly do to get the word out about your business. And you don't know where the hell it's going to come from. But I will tell you this, because it's our, you know, our business is basically relationship driven, you know, and when you start to imagine, if I said to you, uh, any team that you worked on, Coop, for the last 25 years of your career, was everyone rowing in the same direction? You go, no, fuck no. That, that, there's no way we're all rowing in the same direction. So you intellectually understand that. The second thing is, as a leader of the company, do you believe it? So it's in your head, it is, is it in your heart? That's step two. If that happens, we got a chance, an outside chance of closing the deal because the third step is, will I implement it with my hands? Will I be able to say, I get it. We're not rowing in the same direction. We need to. I believe we need to because it'll help the company. Am I willing to do something about it? So that that process takes a while, man. That is not an easy, like I've got an HVAC problem, you know, uh, you know, I need a new compressor or I need new ductwork or I need new whatever. Like my, my, my wife's in that business. Um, that's product. This this is like fucking transformational and it takes a while to sell that. So networking is, uh, it's an art. You know, it's an art. There's a science to it as well. And you don't know where the hell the lead's going to come from. So you do everything. Saying that, that it's an art and it is, I think you have to know what's going on. My, my thing is always, you know, Four words, don't be a jerk. That's all it comes down to. You should be that way in life, but that's always my people go, what about networking? I say, well, don't be a jerk. Yeah. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. Now, they tell you to do 30 seconds in intro. Do 30 seconds. Don't do a minute. Because you know what? If you're on Jeopardy and you don't get the, if, eh, you're done, you're out. Yeah. So saying, since you do understand networking, what do you not like about networking? Is there some things that, you know, I've talked to people, it's just some people get irritated, you know? What is something that, a few things that you don't like about networking? Is it just sometimes phoniness or or what is it that just drives you crazy when you go to an event i or, think it's i think it's that i think it's that uh, that inauthentic uh, authenticity i guess the, the fact that you know hi i'm mark iorio i have bcad partners we do blah 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 mark iorio bcad partners what the fuck you're not saying anything be authentic you know i interviewed somebody on the show the other day um the rainmakers roundup and i learned more about his business in that interview than in the 40 times that I I listen to him in a networking group because it's I don't know what I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if people get nervous. I don't know if people are uptight or anxious or whatever it is. If I say to you, Coop, you gotta you have a minute. Figure the fuck out what you're going to say. Go practice it at home, you know, or talk to your spouse or whatever. And figure out what you're going to say rather than stammering. You sound like an idiot. You really do. It, and it doesn't do anything for me. So, um, and may, may, maybe we all do that to some degree. You know, you, you got the, the teaser. What do I do for a living? Boom. You know, so it's just being real, just being authentic, like being yourself. Now, I have one final question about your shows. Yeah. Um, okay, because you're the host of one. You have two other hosts. And this one, you're a co-host. Yeah. So it's it's mostly Jim. Is that his name? Shulman? Jim Shulman, yeah. It's mostly, it's Jim's show pretty much. Uh, Well, I asked most of the questions. Okay, but, no, yeah. okay, but I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So how do you put your hat on for each one? Like I always talk to, you know, I talk to musicians who 
they're playing rock and then they're playing jazz, then they're playing. It's three. You're do, you're covering three completely different areas. Is the preparation always the same, or do you sit there and you know, okay, well, I have to be. You have to be more understanding when someone tells you, "I just lost my business." You know, you can't be like, yeah, trying to say, you know, I mean, how do you put your different hats on for each? Show. Yeah, that's good. That's a great question because you know, like right now, this is the this is the first time I can't do what I'm doing on my show, uh, what, what, with what I'm doing here. I mean, you and I are having like a normal conversation, be like you and I sitting at a bar having a beer, and that's the way I'd like fuck ups. That's what happens with fuck ups. With the advocates, it's um, you know, it's a little more serious because you got people that are coaching and consulting and and helping others. Uh, rainmakers, I goof around a little bit, you know, because I'm talking to people, I'm, I'm the guy asking the questions. So it's, um, it's a little bit different, you know, because I get a lot out of, and people always, it's like you, people come to you and say, man, you're, you're really good at this shit. And you feel good about that. Um, the others are, you know, they're shared, shared experiences. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm a little more formal with, uh, the advocates, a lot less formal with the uh, with fuck ups, and kind of like myself on uh, just just me on on Raymakers, you know. Is there any other shows in the future, or is three enough? Fuck no, man. I can't. I can't do any more. I, I I just. I listen. I love. I love what I do. I love Bcat. I love what I do for a living. I also run a nonprofit that that uh, where we you know. Tell me about that. Okay, we um we collect computers. For or from organizations, colleges, universities, and companies, ask them to take the drive out, the hard drive out. Uh, they donate the, the computer to us. We put a brand new SSD hard drive in, solid state hard drive. We add in a uh, Linux-based operating system, and then we hand these computers out to uh, hundreds of hundreds of nonprofits. Last year, we gave away 1,254. Last month. Just this past month, uh, June, June, we gave away. I think it was 271 computers. What's that? What, what is it called? TDI Connect. Um, it's uh, it used to be called Trenton Digital Initiative, and we changed the name because we're in Philadelphia, we're in South Jersey, we're in you know Camden, Mercer County. We're just giving stuff. You know, we're giving computers out to who needy organizations, not individuals, because. That's a tedious process to have somebody come in and say, hey, I need a computer. But if they're part of the Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys, you know, Boys and Girls Club, um, you know, the Father Center, there's there's 45 different nonprofits that we're giving uh, computers out to. Jay Bagley is a former uh, college basketball star at uh, Temple University. He's a great guy. He's running a Christian program down in Philadelphia. We've given him hundreds of computers for these kids that are they're just learning how to do different things with with uh, with the technology. So, you know, between that, uh, running the business, uh, the three shows, you know, I think it's great. Y- you know, Coop, when you're doing it, it's it's enjoyable, man. When you're when you're trying to help other people get the word out about themselves, and you have a gift, and you can do that, you can draw that out of them, and they can't do it themselves. Like if, if, if you sat or someone sat in front of a television camera and said, hi, I'm Steve Cooper, and this is what I do for a living, that's boring. You know, no one wants to hear that crap. But if you're doing it on, you know, an interview, it's, it's so much better. Third-party credibility. 
All right. Well, you know what? That was great, man. Now tell people where they can find your show. Would you have any, do you have any closing statement before we, we said, do you have any, some philosophical bullshit you're going to spin and people are going to go, man, I really, I really liked that yeah, earlier, but now the guy's guy. full of shit. Yeah. Fucking no, do, you have, do you have anything that you just want to say? No, listen, I, I, I think, well, yeah, it's funny. I say no, but then I'm going to say, yeah, yeah. So yes, I do have something to say. I just, uh, I think that, you know, if, if you could just make the world a better bit, a, a little better place by helping other people do something uh, that they're trying to do that they str- they're struggling with. Just fucking do it. I mean, you know, stop being a uh, don't hide behind w- whatever it is you're hiding behind, whether you're political affiliation or religious affiliation, whatever the fuck it is. You know, I, I learned a very, very valuable lesson a few years ago. I'm on the right side of the political spectrum one of the guys in the volunteer group was on the left side of the political spectrum. He'd come in every day and he's chirping about the president that we had at the time. And I walked back to him one day and I said, hey, Craig, you're here for the same reason I'm here. I want to help these kids and these families get access to the computer and, you know, basically bridge the digital divide. And he goes, yeah, you're right. I said, well, stop fucking talking about the president because it's, you know, it's, I, I like the guy. So if you take away that fucking tag that everybody's got these days, Coop, you know, I'm this or I'm that or, you know, fuck it. You're human beings. You're here to help each other. So that's my philosophy w- with that. Um, how can I get in touch, you know, get in touch? Where can, with, where can people find your show? How yeah, about, yeah. What's up with that? So, so the shows are on uh, rvntelevision.com, RVN. So Robert, Victor, Nancy, television.com. You look up Rainmakers Roundup, I'm there. You look up The Advocates, I'm there. You look up Fuck Ups, I'm there with, you know, Shulman and uh, the other two are, you know, Alcini and, and Lisa Maniocchi. So it's on that. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me there, that's cool. Uh, my cell number is 609-577-4306. And the best email for me is Mark, M-A-R-K, not C, M-A-R-K dot I-O-R-I-O, I-O-R-I-O at getbcat.com. So that's G-E-T-B-C-A-T dot com. But uh, all good, brother. So people, please look look him up. Look, Mark's, Mark's a very interesting guy, you know, and you can sit there and go, I want to be on your show. And go, hey, you can't be on my show. Why not? Because you suck. Now, uh, <laughs> go check him out. Um, go to email me, thecooptank at yahoo.com. Uh, I'll be starting a... A lot of a lot of new stuff coming up. A lot of public speaking. So you want to book me because I have a lot of good Hollywood stories about networking. I bring a different atmosphere to a networking speech because I was on road for eight years doing stand up comedy. I know how to talk to people. Also, if you want an interview done for your website or your you know YouTube. Give me a call. We can set it up. I'll do a 15-minute interview. You hear what I do. I've interviewed people from Stephen Van Zandt to David Duchovny to Ed Asner. If I interview them, I can interview you and we'll make it good. So people, also go to thecooptank.podbean.com or go to iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, or Spotify and search The Coop Tank. My first two episodes are up there. So I want to thank you. I want to thank the guys at Towncast Studio. Go to towncaststudios.com. This is a great location. As I said, Matthew and Joe are great guys. And a final shout out to Linda Milano of CFB Promotional Products who has me sporting a very nice The Coop Tank shoot shirt. So anyway, you guys have a great day. I'm Steve Cooper. This is a Coop Tank, and I'll talk to you next week.